0: We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today, and we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today.
1: Look at somebody beside you as you're being seated and say, I know that I know. Come on. Say it with a little attitude. I know that I know. In other words, you're saying, what about you? You know? I know our God is good. I know our God is true. And I know our God is faithful. Are you ready for the word today? About three of us. Are you ready for the word today? Amen. Amen. About six of us. We're good. We're getting there. Amen. God is so good. This is the last message I'll be preaching in the the series Power of Love uh, today. And if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John, the sixth chapter, verse 35. And I'll be sharing quite a few uh, verses of scripture with you, but I'm going to talk about uh, one of the things, one of the truths that ring clear and evident through the book of John. And if you haven't read through John's uh, gospel, you need to take some time and read through it. Uh, and I mean, not just casually, just take your time and read through the gospel of John, because there's things in the gospel of John that were not included in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Why? Because John said they did a great job. I'm going I'm I'm to give y'all some stuff that they didn't give you. Um, because you need to hear some other declarations of what Jesus did. And so the entire book of John deals with a few things. And number one, it deals with the deity of Christ. So if you've ever had someone question you, was Jesus truly uh, God, it's cleared up in John. And John very definitively argues a case all through his writings on why Jesus was not just the Son of God. He was God. Amen? And so we need to, we need to get a hold of that, need to understand that. So t- today I want to just talk to you a little bit uh, about what is declared through the book of John. We're going to set up some uh, just kind of a foundation through the introduction. And then we're going to go into seven different areas where Jesus declared, I am. Okay, there's seven I am's found in the book of John where Jesus declares that. And so we're going to set that up for us in, in, in uh, the introduction, then we're going to go into that in just the, the latter part of the sermon where we talk about the seven I am's. But uh, verse, verse 35 of chapter 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In other words, what I shared with you as we were worshiping is that he was declaring to them, I am your source. I am your source. In other words, if you don't understand that, if you don't leave anything, if you forget everything, you don't remember one of the I am's, uh, remember this one thing, Jesus is your source. And when you begin to treat Jesus as your source and not this world, amen, then amazing things will happen in your life when you realize that, that ultimately God is in control. You get a pink slip, God is in control. Um, I love the story that, that uh, uh, Dr. Evans shares in, in his sermon on provision, which I'm not re-preaching that sermon, but I, it just went good with what I wanted to talk to you guys about today. But he shares a story about a young lady who was working for someone and her boss came to her and wanted her to do something unethical and illegal. And she looked at him and said, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. And I, I, that is against what I believe I can't do that he said well if you don't do this then I'm going to fire you but um, because I'm gonna find somebody that will do this for the company and so she uh, got through to dr. Evans and she said I know the answer but I just I'm weak in my faith I need somebody to kind of you know anybody ever needed a kind of a spiritual kick in the seat of the pants, so to speak. You know, I, I know what I need to do. I just need somebody to push me uh, a little bit, assure me. She says, I know this might cost me my job. This might cost me uh, my livelihood, and I need my job, Dr. Evans, but I, I can't go against She says, He said, you don't need me to tell you anything but to follow your, your beliefs. You need to stand with what's right. And so the next day, she went in and saw her boss. She said, I can't do this thing. It's unethical, and, and it's against what I believe as a child of God, and I, I won't do it. He said, okay go you're gone he fired her on the spot Um, uh, about a week or two went by she went through a hard time couldn't find a job anywhere you ever been that way you you follow God you're like where you at God and uh, and so all all of a sudden she gets a call and so she calls Dr. Evans and tells him what happens and this is her story she says I got a call from my boss's boss who called my boss in and said why did you do this thing that was illegal and unethical and he said because you've done this you've jeopardized this company he said so you're gone and he fired her boss, and then he called her and hired her for the boss's job. He's faithful. He's faithful. It's tough doing the right thing sometimes, it's tough doing the God thing. Amen. It's tough making that, that right choice knowing that the consequences are not going to go my way. But if we are faithful to him, he will be faithful to us in more ways than we can believe or count or, or even begin to, to understand. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall not. You like that part? I love it. He says, they shall never thirst. Again, I, I God says, I, I will be everything you need. I'll be everything you want if you'll just believe in me. It, is be, it has been a turbulent time time in our country over the last few days and it will continue to be probably over the next few weeks and no matter what I'm not getting into a political sermon today that's not what we're here to do but I am saying this we can all agree no matter where we stand that it's turbulent times it's uncertain times for our nation and there are many things that we believe Some, some have great hope in the political system some do not I'm going to tell you to me it doesn't matter who occupies the White House it doesn't matter who occupies the Congress because I know ultimately according to the word of God God is in charge and he works all things to the good of them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose and I'm here to tell you if you're saved today and you're a part of the kingdom of God and you have citizenship in heaven God is working things to your good and I'm here to tell you God is going to do something to bring the church to repentance and if we won't listen through a, through a pandemic, then it may get a little worse so that we will listen. And you say, I don't want it to get worse. But you don't understand. When the church repents, when we truly repent, and I'm not just talking about the harvest. I'm talking about churches all over the world. Anybody that claims to be a child of God, when we get on our knees and we truly repent, and we get about the Father's business instead of our business, come on. Instead of trying to promote us, we begin to promote the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you something. Amazing things are going to happen that you've never seen before. We will not just look at the book of Acts as a history lesson. We'll start living out the book of Acts the way we were intended to. Amen. I'm ready to see the book of Acts come to life in the church. In order for that to happen, sometimes turbulent times have to come. I was disturbed earlier this week, but I woke up with great hope on Thursday morning. Let me point out, first of all, that there, in these seven I am's, in these seven areas of the I am uh, that, that are declared in John, seven is the number of perfection in the Bible, it's completion. In other words, it means things have come full circle, they're completed. And I want you to understand one thing, everything. God, the Lord Jesus was complete and perfect in every way. Complete and perfect in every way. And because he was complete and perfect in every way, he is faithful and true to be complete and perfect in your life. In other words, he says, I am who I say I am. He is not just another prophet or teacher or some great man that walked this earth that had some good things to say. He is the Son of God. He is the one and only true Son of God. He is the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is A to Z in your life. And if you will let him be A and Z in your life, he will do amazing amazing things in your heart amazing things in your world but you got to make him first you got to make him the middle and you got to keep him even at the last he's got to be all parts or no parts of our life amen so he is complete the church needs to remember that i just want to make a make a statement and i posted this on my social media uh uh, and, and and jesus did not listen jesus elections are temporary no matter where you're at on this earth but jesus never never once needed your vote to be God. He never once needed your vote to be king of kings and lord of lords. He was king and kings of, king of kings and lord of lords before the earth was formed. He is king and king of the lord long after the earth fades away. He it will always be for he was and is and is to come. And we as the children of God should find great assurance in that. He didn't need our vote. Amen. He is God. He is Lord, and we need to remember all of that as we move forward. All right, uh, the Bible says in, in John chapter 18, verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? You, you, don't you love that, that Pilate is trying Jesus? And, and I've heard some uh, pastors put it this way. Actually, uh, it wasn't Jesus on trial, it was Pilate on trial. <laughs> um, and trial, and, and he failed miserably. Uh, but Pilate was on trial before Jesus. I love that. But he says, "What is truth?" And when he heard Jesus reply, and he said uh, uh, that, that, where where he said, "What is truth?" He says, he goes out to the crowd and he says, "I find no guilt in this man. I find nothing wrong in him. I can't hold anything against him." In other words, Jesus was perfect and complete. Uh, number one, it, we need to understand God came to bring fellowship through His Son. I want to remind you of Genesis one verses twenty seven through thirty, and I'm not going to read that for time's sake but this is the story of creation this is the story of how he made man in his own image and he came and he blessed them and he said fill the earth amen in in other words I I want want to point something out in uh, in Genesis that a lot of people miss he didn't say fill the garden he told him to fill the earth and subdue it in other words, the Garden of Eden was to be the launching point for the kingdom to spread all over the earth. And instead, because of the failure in the garden, the kingdom of God didn't spread all over the earth. Sin spread all over the earth. And so what we see is a broken and fallen world. Everywhere we go, we're, it's a broken and fallen world. There is no, I've had people come to me and say, I, would, I don't go to church because, uh, because uh, uh, there's hypocrites in the church. But there's hypocrites at Walmart and you still go there. Amen. There's hypocrites everywhere. Guess what? Jesus died for the hypocrite. Jesus died for those. Listen, I'm here, it's like somebody looking at you and saying, um, you know, my family's not dysfunctional. There is no such thing as a family that is not dysfunctional. It's just what degree your family's dysfunctional. (laughs) Anybody got a perfect family? You know, holidays are coming up, so you better, you better, (laughs) you know, I go through Christmas and Thanksgiving too, you know, it's like. Anyway, all my family's just perfect liar. We all just sing, you know, hold hands and sing kumbaya. No, you don't. Families argue over the dumbest things. Come on. It's dysfunction. It's dysfunction. Amen? what degree? There's no such thing as a perfect church, but there is such thing as a perfect Savior. Amen? If we could be perfect, we would have had no need for Jesus. We would have had no need of Him to come and be with us. If, he, if we could be perfect, you say, well, what are we doing then? We're in pursuit of Him. Amen? And He is in pursuit of us. Sometimes we just need, some of us are running away from Him. That's just the truth. But anyway, God, because of this fallen state of man, God, God used to fellowship with man in the cool of the day. He used to walk with God hand in hand, hand in hand, man did. And because of sin, there was a breaking of relationship. There was a breaking of fellowship between man and God. But guess what? God did not just throw His hands up and quit. And, and, and aren't you thankful God didn't throw His hands up and quit? You know, He could have decided to reboot things. He, You know, He could have decided, I'm done with this earth. It's full of sin because of Adam and Eve, so I'm wiping. The slate clean. I'll create a new earth and we'll start over with a new Adam and a new Eve. But I'm done with this. They've sinned. I told them the price was death, so I'm going to just fulfill it. But aren't you thankful he didn't? Because he couldn't throw away his kids no more than I can throw away my kids. He loved them. And because he loved them, he began to try to weigh every possible way to restore man. First of all, we see in this, that his relationship with Abraham develops. And the Bible says it was counted unto him as righteousness. He was what? A friend of God. What a beautiful passage. That Abraham was a friend of God. And later on, what the promise that he made to Abraham is fulfilled as a great nation arises. Joseph, the whole story of the Bible, Joseph goes down into Egypt, brings Israel with him for safety. And the Bible says that all of a sudden they find themselves in a situation of bondage under the Egyptians. And God raises up a son of God, a son of Abraham, but was also a son of Pharaoh by the name of Moses to be the go-between between Israel and God. And God delivers Israel, and they get to the Mount Mount Horeb, and there God speaks to the entire nation and frightens them to death. <laughs> i got to read this. I was going to save time, but you you got to see this. So God chose to use prophets and He chose to use men to deliver His Word. In Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 18, it says, And the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to Him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb. Okay, they're at, at the mountain after they left a bondage, after they left Egypt. And it says, On that day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear. Hear again the voice of the lord my god or see this fire for a fire anymore lest i die and the lord said to me they are right in what they have spoken i will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and i will put my word in his mouth and he shall speak to them and all that i have commanded he also raised up the priesthood and they would go in to the seat of the mercy seat in the ark of the, to the ark of the covenant and offer the blood of lambs and the bulls and they would they would symbolically cleanse the nation of Israel. What are you saying? God was setting up the path. In other words, as good of a man as Moses was, man Moses was still sinful. As good as the priests might have been, they were still sinful. As good as as, as, as they could try to be, they were still sinful and fallen. For the, the blood of animals could not do for us. Why? Because when man sinned in the garden, here's a quick theology lesson, it corrupted with sin all of creation. Not just humans, but all of creation. And because all of creation was corrupt, that means the sacrifices they would bring were also corrupt. So God says, this isn't going to work. So He lays out the foundation for the perfect sacrifice to come. He says, I want to restore man. I'm not good with man coming in through a priest. I'm not good with man coming to a prophet. I want man to know me on an intimate level. So the Bible says in John, For the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, God, came down for us so that he might be face to face in our lives that he might walk with us that he might commune with us and that's not just in church that's wherever you're at whatever you're doing the spirit of god is with you jesus is with you he says i'll never leave you i'll never forsake you you won't get me off of you if you want to i love you i don't know about you but is anybody in this room thankful for the stubborn love of god the stubborn love of god I wouldn't let go. wouldn't let go, no matter what. Number three, God came down in person. And the Bible says and the Word became flesh. Emmanuel, the Word of God. When it says the Word, this is the Logos which in the Greek, which is also goes back to the book of Genesis. When the Word was spoken over the face of the deep, it was the Word. God, Jesus spoke. Amen. You say, well, what do you believe, Pastor? I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And I believe they are three in one. And you say, I can't understand. That's impossible. You've heard me share this, but I'll share it again. It's not impossible because everybody in this room was created in His image. You are three in one. You got a body? Amen, Pastor. Come on, anybody? If you don't, I'm getting out of here. It means you a ghost. Anybody got a, a mind? Maybe not part, maybe part of one today. I don't know. Okay. Anybody got a soul? Body, mind, and spirit. They're all three you, but they make up one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. You were made in His image. And He could not. Oh my goodness. He couldn't throw you away. I, I just feel i got to leave this for a second and emphasize this point. He could not. Some of us in this room think that we've been thrown away. He could not throw you away. And if you know the story of Abraham, you know that Abraham and Sarah were promised a a, a promised child. They were told they were going to have a son, and out of that son would come a great nation. They got impatient and tried to make their own plans to bring about the promise. Anybody in this room ever done that? oh so sarah comes to abraham and says i want you to take my handmaiden and have a baby by her and you'll adopt him and it'll be our child and that's how the promise is going to happen if you try to shortcut god you're going to get yourself in a mess and guess what we still fighting the mess that they created the sons of ishmael and the sons of isaac are still at war today still fighting over that same mess So they tried to short step the, or cut short the plan of God. Because why? Sarah getting old. Come on. Well beyond the age of bearing children. Abraham getting old. So they try to step it up. So Ishmael is born. And they say that's how the promise is going to come. I got news for you. God going to throw you on your ears every time when you try to do that stuff. Because all of a sudden, guess who ends up pregnant as an old, old, old lady? Sarah and Isaac is born. And one day Sarah, now this is figurative because I know I'm going to get some email saying they didn't have a kitchen sink, they were in a tent. It's figurative. Sarah's sitting at the kitchen sink one day and she's looking out and she sees the son of, of the handmaiden mocking the promise of God. And she says, enough. She sees Ishmael mocking Isaac. And she goes to Abraham and she says, you got to put them away. you got to erase this because we made a mistake. Your mistakes will always come back to mock your promise. Yes. Yes, sir. That's and some of us are facing that today. We feel thrown away because our mistakes are mocking the promises. We can't get life out of the rearview mirror because I would be doing this for God if it wasn't for the mistake I made and the devil has thrown that in your face and I'm here to tell you, though your mistakes may mock your promise, God is seeing the promise in your life and says, I'm faithful and true if you'll just follow in my footsteps. I'll fulfill everything I ever promised. Listen, the destiny of God can be delayed in your life but it'll never be denied as long as you follow Him. That's truth. So she sees this, and we, so Abraham goes, and he puts, the Bible says he puts Hagar, the handmaid, and Ishmael outside the camp. That's certain death, by the way, if you're in the wilderness. That's certain death. So he's going to sentence them, and we read that so casually, and, and, and Julie, we read over it, and we don't even look at it. We just think of it so casually, he puts them outside the camp, and, and, and look, he don't even pray over them. Who prays over them? Hagar prays. And God delivers and says, you know what? I'll also honor my promise in Ishmael's life. He'll be a great nation, but that's going to be a turmoil. It's going to be trouble. But let me tell you the amazing thing about this. I want you to, I wish I had Peyton in here. Because we casually read over that, but for Abraham, how grueling was this? Because he's looking into the eyes of his son. He's looking into the eyes. Maybe he looked like him as a young man. And he says, because of my mistake now, I've got to do something I don't want to do. So that's hard. It's also the Old Testament. Grace hadn't appeared yet in its fullness, which is Jesus Christ. Wasn't easy for him to choose. That was his son. That was his son. Don't dismiss what Abraham went through in putting them outside the camp. But also remember God was faithful. Why? Because even when he made the promise to Abraham, he said, that's still your kid. I'm going to honor what I said, even though it's a product of a mistake. Mm. How many times have we made mistakes and then God brings it full circle Into promise. What are you saying, Pastor? How many of you today can stand up and say, I'm not proud of my past, but because of Jesus, I've I've been rescued from it? And now others who are in that same slavery of sin can see a path to righteousness and a path of forgiveness because you have been delivered. Are you what are you saying? How many can stand up and say, you know, in my past I was a slave to drugs and alcohol? In my past, it ruled everything I was and everything about me. But because of the promise, I now can stand and say, if He can deliver me, He can deliver anybody. If He can save me, He can save anybody. In other words, the devil gets flipped on Him. What He meant for evil is turned to good. What He meant to destroy is brought to bring life. Where He thought that He was winning, He is losing. I want you to know God is ready for us to stand up and declare, I am a promise of the Lord. I am declared of Him to be a son and a daughter of God to be in relationship with Him that is what He's declared over your life oh goodness I got too many rabbits (laughs) it's all good you'll just have to get a copy of it trust me there has to be no doubt of who Jesus was and in Exodus he declares that he is, or, or the burning bush is declared to Moses to hear the voice that says, I am. In other words, Moses says, who did I tell Pharaoh sent me? And he says, you tell them I am sent you. This same language is used seven different times in the book of John. In John 6.35, He says, I am the bread of life. He fed 5,000. He fed Israel in the wilderness with manna. And when when they said our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, what was His reply? He says, I was the manna. I was the source. So, our text reveals one thing to us God is everything that we need spiritually, physically, and emotionally during this time. There are a lot of people wrecked emotionally right now in this country. I'm here to tell you, we don't need to be wrecked as the body of Christ. We need to be settled upon the Word of God and know our, know our destiny is not what, what, the man, what man says, but what God says and declares over us. In other words, we need to understand that He is our source. Look at somebody beside you and say, Number one, He says He's my source. Number two, he says, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12, he says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have life, uh, light of life. Jesus has declared that he is the bread of life. Now he declares that he is the light of the, uh, of, of the world. He is the light of our life. Listen, there have been many in the past that have said that they were the Christ. Now he comes and he says, look, there's been many that have claimed to be the Messiah. As a matter of fact, we've had people claim that different politicians are the Messiah. Messiah. God help us. I don't care who you lie. God help us. There is no man that has ever been the Messiah except for the spotless Lamb of God, Jesus, the Word made flesh, because everybody was corrupt with sin except for the one who came down from heaven. He's the only one that has the rightful claim of Messiah. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light. Some of us are struggling to find our way right now. Some of us are struggling because all we see is darkness. I want to remind you that He is the light. And if you're looking for light anywhere else, you're not going to find it. As a matter of fact, it's going to go out on you. But you need the light of the Lord to shine in your life. And if you will ask, He'll do it. He is, He said, I am the light. Number three, He said, I am the door. Somebody say, He's the door. He didn't say a door. He said, I am the door. He didn't say, I'm a way. He said, I'm the way. I'm it. I'm the only way. I'm the only door. If you want to reach God, there's only one way, and that's through Jesus. It's not being morally good that's going to get you to heaven. Oh, God help me preach this this morning. The Bible says in John 10, 8-10, And all who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out to find pastures. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and it more abundantly. Let me remind you this morning that the road to heaven is a narrow road. We've made it broader in the church over the years, but it's still a narrow road. And we need to get back to some basics, church, if we want to see revival in the land. If we want to see revival in the land, we need to start believing in the Word as the Word again. We need to start preaching the word again. We need to start living by the word of God again. And look, God didn't come to cramp your lifestyle. Why? Because I just read to you, he came that you might have life and life more abundantly. I don't know who in this room would testify this morning that once you were in sin and you thought you had life, but you thought you really were living. But all of a sudden when you came to Jesus, you found an abundance that you'd never found before in the world. My goodness. There's something great about the name of Jesus that it can save us and deliver us. He said, I came that they may have life in it more abundantly. Yes, He promised me heaven. This has nothing to do with heaven. This has to do with here and right now. He is our source. He is our way. He is our truth. He is the door. And if you'll come to that door, guess what? You don't even have He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He says, I'll not just be the door. I'll knock on my own door and say, let me in. Come on in with me. Fellowship with me. Let me be your Lord. Let me be your guide. Proverbs 4 and 12 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end is death. There's a lot of people trying to... Uh, have you ever heard somebody say this? I'm just working out my own salvation. I'm just working it out. you working it so you can do whatever you want, live however you want, and claim that you're going to heaven. We forget all of that verse which says, to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. In fear and trembling, better be careful how you work it out. If you work it out any other way besides the way the Bible says, you in trouble. Work it out, yes, work it out through the Word. That's what I say. Amen. Amen. Why? Because if we're not careful, we'll get tripped up. Acts four twelve says, "And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which me, by which we must be saved. You can't get saved by any other means but Jesus." You can't be morally good enough to get there. He is the door. He is the only path. He is the only way. And until we begin to preach that again, look, I'm telling you right now, uh, we, you, you say, I don't see us being in that much trouble. I'm going to share how much trouble we're in statistically right here in just a second. Let's, let's get to that right now. Well, let me finish this thought. John 10, through 13 says, I'm the good shepherd. All right. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I love what Max Licato says. He says, aren't you thankful he didn't say I'm the good cowboy? What does a cowboy do to the cattle? They drive them. Okay? Some of you serve a a cowboy Jesus. He's sitting on a horse and he's got his stetsons and he's just popping that whip and he's shooting the pistol and he's driving driving you. Oh, it's miserable serving God. Oh, that's so sad. That's so sad. He said, I'm the good shepherd. You see, a shepherd leads. He doesn't drive. He has marked the path for you. Anybody in this room ever been, or at home, been hiking? Anybody? Come on. If you have, come on, this is audience participation time. You've been hiking? Anybody ever been in backcountry trails? I mean, where they don't have the nice little paved path with rocks. You know, if you have walked from your car to the lake at Sloppy Ploid across the bridge, that is not hiking. <laughs> yeah, I hike every... Yeah. No, I'm talking about hiking where, you know... You, you get two miles every thirty minutes or forty minutes or an hour. Okay, I've hiked a, a couple of backcountry trails in my day and, and uh, my my day many days ago, many many years ago. And uh, those trails are well marked when you start out, but then there comes a point on those trails where you better know how to read trail signs, because they will mark those trails with a paint mark on a tree. And sometimes they don't pay much attention to those, and those will fade over time. So you better know how to read the trail. Better yet, when you're walking the trail, it's always good to have somebody that's been on the trail first and let somebody more experienced lead. That way you can they can point out how to follow the trail. You say, why are you saying this? I'm, I want you to understand this morning. He's, he goes on, he says, look, this, and I'm paraphrasing this passage of Scripture in John 10. He says, The hired hand has no value in the sheep. And when trouble comes, when the wolf comes, they're going to leave the sheep and say, have at it, lamb chop city, you know. I'm out of here. But the one who's the shepherd who has an investment in the sheep, he doesn't leave the sheep. Um, We like to read the psalm that says... You know, the 23rd Psalm, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Do you realize that we, we think of, we, we skip over the, ra- the rod part. We, we get to the staff part. You know, everybody loves little cute shepherds at Christmas time, and they got little hooks. Shrap- oh, the precious little Savior, he's pulling back the sheep with the hook. He also had a staff, the, uh, the rod, or the rod. The rod, the staff was what we always imagined. The rod was really a club. It was a weapon. So David said, my shepherd, he doesn't just save me with his staff, he will beat to death my enemy. He will club to death my enemy. Because he doesn't, he's not just there to protect, he's there to defend. I want you to understand, your God is what? For you, O Lord, are a shield for me the glory and the lifter of my head. He's not just on the defense. My God is on the offense. And though hell seems to be rising up in the day that we live in, your God is on the offense. And it's time for the church to quit cowering behind our walls and get on the offense with our captain and get behind the shepherd who is leading us. Amen. And you say, but I can't see the trail. Oh, it's really easy to see. Because first of all, God is not wanting you to walk the trail to heaven without it being un- unmarked. He walked it for you and He marked it. If you'll look real careful, it's marked with the blood of Jesus. Everywhere you go, He says, follow the blood-stained trail and it will lead you to righteousness. It'll lead you home. When you get lost, go to the cross. I don't care how saved you feel. When you feel like the world's too much, go to the cross. Amen. Get your bearings and keep walking the trail that He's marked. We need unity in the body of Christ. John 17, 21 says, That they may be one, just as you, Father, and, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Amen. How is the world going to know that, that Jesus was sent by God? He said so that there's unity in the body of Christ. Amen? That brings us to the fifth I am. I am the resurrection. Look at somebody say he's the resurrection. You better be happy about that. John eleven twenty five 25 through 26 is Jesus' reply to, to Martha after she had left uh, mourning for her brother to meet Jesus. She gets to Jesus. She says, if you'd have just showed up. When we asked you to show up, anybody ever felt that way? God, if you'd have showed up. Some of y'all sitting there saying, if he would have showed up on Tuesday, God said, I didn't need to show up on Tuesday. I've always been in charge. God said, go on. Filter's kicking in. Tina will be proud of me. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Who believes in me though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die again. Do you believe this? I do believe with all my heart the church is at a do you believe this moment with the Holy Spirit. Do you still believe I can do great things when everything looks bleak? Do you still believe I can heal you? Do you still believe I can save the lost? Do you still believe I can bring revival even when the world says there won't be a revival? Do you still believe that I can shake the very planet, to bring those who are lost to attention that way might find salvation. But I want to remind you, judgment begins with the house of the Lord. And when the church repents, this world will start repenting. And that's not a popular message. It gets shot down a lot. But I'm here to tell you, there's a call of repentance going forth from the Holy Spirit in this hour. Why do I know this? He said, do you believe this? Look at somebody say, do you believe it? He said, I told you if you believed, you'd see the glory of God he told her once he got to Lazarus tomb I want you to notice these statistics real quick according to Christian News Network 36 of those claiming to be evangelical Christians believe in the resurrection only 36 percent that's sad only 36 percent of people who claim to be children of God believe that the resurrection will even take place that tells me they don't give much value to this book Only 20% believe the Bible is the Word of God. 20% believe that the Bible is full of errors. Now, I want to clear something up for you. Translations will have errors. But the Word of God, which was written in the Greek and the Hebrew, is without error. But there's going to be something lost in translation. It doesn't matter. If If you translate English to Spanish, there's something lost in translation. Why? Because there are certain words in English there's no word in Spanish for. Amen? Those of you that know a little Spanish should say amen. Half of those claiming to be evangelical Christians in the United States believe that good works will get you to heaven. That's all it takes. Good works. Go to church. Don't cuss too much. Come on. Dot all the I's, cross all the T's, I'm good. Roughly 48% of Christians in the U.S. today believe that Christ will return. Less than half of those claiming to be Christians think that Jesus is coming back. Do you believe? Do you believe? Folks, we got to get we got to get sured up in our faith. We have to get a solid foundation in our faith, because the world is influencing our society. It's, it's, it's influencing our. As a matter of fact, one politician I, I I'll have to check the quote exactly. I think it was John F. Kennedy that said this. Said, "Show me the political system of your university professors, and I'll show you the way the nation will go." That's why you have over. 50% of college kids leaving the church and never returning once they get to college age. What does that tell me? Church, we better get our kids a firm foundation before they graduate from high school. We better get a firm foundation. We better, we better, we better make sure that they know that they know. <laughs> Because your beliefs are going to get challenged. Young people, your beliefs are going to get challenged. And you're going to be told, look, but there's a way that seems right unto man, but at the end it leads to death. You better base what you believe about God off of this book. Because there are this theology of just be a good Muslim and you'll get there. Just be a good Hindu and you'll get there. I've got news for you. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There's only one path to heaven, and it leads through Jesus. Now, that can fill the building or empty it for all I care. But I'm going to stand on the Word of God this morning that says He is the way, He's the truth. Not a way, not a truth, and not a life. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one. There's only one way to get to God. There's only one way for the hand of sinful man to be reunited with the Holy Father in heaven, and that's for Jesus to bridge the gap. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. His name is Jesus, not Confucius, not any other philosopher. It is Jesus. I'm here to tell you that's old-time preaching, old-time salvation. I want to know Him. You want revival? Jesus is the only way. You want your kids to know the Lord? Jesus is the only way. You say, what I do, I can't get them to church. It's time to get on our knees, church, and fight, fight, fight with prayer. Why we need to bombard heaven right now. We need to seek God like we've never sought him before. If my kids get to hell, if they make it to hell, they got to come through me and their mama to get there because we're going to be on our knees every moment of their life till we're dead and gone, praying, seeking God for their salvation. We need need some fire, church. Number six, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. Got ahead of myself. Only one in three of young believers, this is age 40 and and younger, of young believers, evangelical believers, believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. One out of three. I'm telling you, church, we have been too passive. We've got to stand. And, And look, churches have forsaken truth for numbers. Boy, I got quiet. They have forsaken truth for numbers. I would rather pour my heart into 12 that will change the world than to 1,200 that will end up in hell because I tickled their ears. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need a move of God. 37% believe that all paths lead to heaven. That's out of, out of born-again Christians. Young Christians. Folks, I'm telling you, this is what they're being taught and indoctrinated with and the church has done nothing to refute it, nothing to stand against it. But I'm standing against it this morning. I just wonder if anybody's going to stand with me. Anybody want to stand up and say, I'm going to stand with the Word of God. I want to stand for the truth that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That He said, I am the resurrection, I am the life, and I am, number seven, the true vine. I am. Let's listen to this. John 30, 15, 35. We're, we're wrapping up. Verses 1 through 5. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Uh, by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and I in him he he it is that bears not just fruit but much fruit for apart from me everybody listen to this because this is how we're going to close it for apart from me you can do nothing apart from him you're not going to accomplish anything why? You say, oh yeah, I know a lot of people in this world that have accomplished a lot of things and they don't even believe in Jesus, Pastor. And Jesus would reply by saying, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? I know a lot of people who are morally good people that don't know Jesus. They still need Jesus. Oh, but they give to all these charities and they help all these people and they do all these, they're digging wells in Africa. Isn't that great, Pastor? They're digging wells in Africa and they don't even know Jesus. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? But, well, Pastor, you don't understand. They give money to charities, millions and millions and millions of dollars to nonprofits and charities. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? But, Pastor, you don't understand. They use their talents every Sunday. Mm-mm. He didn't. Yeah, he did. They get up and they sing or they get up and they play or they get up and they teach and they get up and they preach. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? You say, I don't believe that. What does it profit a man to promote himself and promote his ministry and promote his church and promote his name and his fame and lose his soul because he didn't lift up the only name that people could get right with? You can't get right coming to Harvest Worship Center. I can only be a resource of the source of salvation. That's it. Now we've come full circle. The church must become a resource of the source. And he says, if it's profiting nothing, I'll cut it off. And I'll find something that'll do it. You say, oh, no, he he loves his church. Yeah, he does. He loved Israel too. And he said, if he spared not the natural branch, what of that which has been grafted in the church? He said, my intentions were to use Israel. My intentions was to start in the Garden of Eden and promote the kingdom of God throughout the earth. But because of sin, I've had to cut the branch off, that natural branch, and I've had to graft in a new branch, the church. You see, I'm not Jewish. I might be. I don't know. I had not done that little whatever it is. Swab your cheek and send it in. They tell you if you're Scandinavian or whatever. I had not done that yet. i was gonna come back mixed up. (laughs) I don't know. I hadn't done that, so I don't know. I might be a little bit Jewish, but I, I don't think I'm enough. He said, "If he spared not his chosen people, come on. What about you that have been grafted in as the children of Abraham through Jesus? We got a short time left in this in this year." Come on, stand with me. And I'll just have to share this as we close. Before this week, last Sunday, I left the building. And uh, as I was going back to the house, I was praying because, you know, we didn't get to have church in the building Um and I hate that. Those of you that have gotten comfortable at home and you're not quarantining anywhere else, it's time to come home. That's just the truth. Well, they'll get mad and stay out of church. They already are. no... <laughs> they won't... <laughs> This doesn't make sense to me. I told a pastor a friend of mine that that this week, and he goes, "I guess you're right." <laughs> what are you saying? I'm not saying that mean or haughty. I'm just saying if you're not doing it anywhere else in your life, be careful that the devil hasn't used this as an excuse to, to not be in church. That he's not made this an excuse in your life. But I, I left here and I was praying, and I, was, I'm very real with God but some of y'all may not be ready to handle my real conversation so I'll kind it down for you but I was ticked (laughs) and I said God I'm fed up with so much I'm ready to move forward Lord if certain things happen this coming week it will hinder us so much in doing what Lord I know you've told us you were going to do Lord, I know God that you were you didn't give us this land just to stare at. Pay taxes on. I don't think you did it for that reason. Do you? And so I'm giving God my complaint. You can do that? You certainly can, because he's big enough and tough enough to take it. But you better be big enough and tough enough to take it when he gives it back to you. Because he will. And he reminded me. Who do I need to accomplish what I need to accomplish? I am God. And this week I have dreamed more. I've had two dreams. I have not dreamed during this whole process of us talking about building, about the actual building. I haven't dreamed about it. I've dreamed about provision. I've dreamed about some things that he was going to do to help us. But I haven't had one dream about it. But I've had two dreams where we were actually building the building in the next few months. I don't see how. But it's a good thing I'm not God, because God knows how. He makes a way where there was no way. Matter of fact, what is the song we just got through singing a minute ago, or a few minutes ago, He said, he brings down walls with praise. I like the other one we sing, he makes seas into highways. When are we gonna quit looking at the stories and the miracles of the Old Testament as mother goose stories? Nice little fairy tales sometimes if we're not careful. He actually did that stuff. I had a college professor, Brother Antonius Columbo, Dr. Columbo, and he was Greek by birth love that man but he was teaching us Old Testament and he got to the story about the Red Sea and he said you know there's some theologians who think that this actually translates Sea of Reeds which was about three feet deep and not the sea he said I'm okay with that and you'd have to hear his really thick accent when he does it he said I'm okay with that he said uh Because it's an even greater story because God drowned all those Egyptians in three feet of water. (laughs) But God actually split a sea. What will He do for us when we start believing in the I Am? So as you bow your heads and close your eyes and we bring this to a close, I'm going to wrap it up this way. What do you need him to be I am about? Maybe you're in a financial stress and financial trouble. He says, I am your provision. Maybe you're sick in your body. You say, I don't know. I just haven't felt good in months, Pastor. He says, I am your healer. Maybe there's difficulty in relationships in your life. He says, I am the restorer. Maybe you're in this room today and you're saying... But I have sinned so much. I'll take salvation, but I really don't deserve it. And I'll just kind of stay in the sidelines because I don't want to be out front because I don't deserve it. And God says, I am the restorer, the renewer of a new life. And what I've made new, I've made new. Maybe you're here saying, I got sin in my life. I just don't know if He'll forgive. He says, I am your salvation. In other words, whatever you have need of—if I didn't mention it this morning—he says, "I am. I am your provider. I am your victory. I am your strength. I am that I am." So whatever you're searching for today, He is the I am. But you've got to acknowledge it and want it in your life. I, I'm just so down, Pastor. I'm so—I am the glory and the lifter of your head. He declares this morning pastor i just don't know if i can make it tomorrow i don't have a job he says i will make a way i am if that's you whatever it is and you need to be in this altar then this altar is open if you want to pray at your seat pray at your seat pray at your house but let's call on the great i am this morning what do we need church we need revival well how's that going to come not through me or you it's going to come through the great i am it's going to come through him come on church all over this room let's begin to pray all over this room to pray for revival.
0: We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryanhwc@gmail.com. gmail.com. If you'd like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryanhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.